This is Metal Recall, episode five. My name's Niall Hope, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Aaron Cascala. How's it going, bud? Going good. Good to be back. Yeah, fresh off the boat, following a trip to my homeland. How was it? That's right. It was fantastic. Dreamy yeah. with the uh, Newcastle victory. Very good, very good. So if you're not familiar with the formula, Metal Recall is a retrospective podcast in which myself and Aaron take turns bringing a significant album for the, to the table for discussion. Along the way, recalling our memories of the album and educating each other on its impact. Um, so before we get into while we're here, Aaron, some exciting stuff's happened recently. We're on the socials and the email. That's right, on the Instagrams. Yep, you can find us on the Instagram. Why don't you let the guys know about the, uh, the email as well? Sure. Uh, social media, obviously, is going to be um, Metal Recall. Look us up at Metal Recall. Po- my, at Metal Recall Podcast. Is that the full... I think it's just Metal Recall on Instagram, but Perfect. we had to, had to put the podcast on Gmail because somebody had already stolen it. Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't know who they are, though. All right. And then if you want to email us with any uh, <clears throat> questions, comments, feedback, or random bullshit, uh, it's metalrecallpodcast at gmail.com. We don't know what we're going to get, but if you feel like emailing us, feel free. Might not get anything. Yeah. But it's there if you need it. Right. So why are we here? Um, This week it's my turn and I have decided that we should should review 1919 Eternal by Black Label Society, came out in 2002. Um, And just a little bit of background as to why I chose that one. Kind of similar to the Propane album, Contents Under Pressure, that we reviewed. This was another one actually that my brother turned me on to, so I owe him for a lot of the music that I'm into today, but that's just how it works. You know that, having brothers too. Um, But I was 16 at the time, um, and this was one of those albums that sort of came along as I was learning guitar, being in a band, starting to write. Um, And without going too far ahead into my overall thoughts of the album, this is definitely a guitarist's album. It's all about the riffs. So I was blown away by, by the guitar work on the album. The X. The X, indeed. So, and Zach Wilde being who Zach Wilde is, what he looks like, his guitar, the black and white bullseye guitar, super iconic, something that I sort of always aspired to buy in. Um, and it was just an album that kind of came along at a time where I was in the mood for riffs and, and, and new guitar stuff, and you can't say that this doesn't deliver on It delivers, that. that's for sure, in abundance. But interestingly, um, I was torn... You know, when we were suggest when we were talking about which album to do, I was torn between 1919 Eternal and the following album, The Blessed Hell Ride. Okay. Which potentially I like better, but I chose this one because it was the gateway to Black Label Society for me. And yeah. I guess that's why we do this, right? Can you say the same thing for Propane? No, the oh, the Propane album, Contents Under Pressure, was. It is. It was your favorite. Is your favorite. Is my favorite. Got it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one, uh, I guess was the one that turned me on to them. So I thought that's significant enough to do it. Yep. Um, and I'm not sure if you remember this, but at the time, um, same year, and we'll get into this in a bit, but, um, down to uh, a bustle in your hedgerow came out after down had reformed. So kind of getting a bit of that Southern influenced metal going oh, yeah. on down to black label mm-hmm. society. It was all kind of just... Swir- swirling around at the moment, at yeah. the time, yeah. And um, I really got into it from there. So how familiar were you with Black Label Society before I said, let's do this album? I'll be honest, and that's that's the part of the fun of doing this. I, I've always known who they are, but I never went down the rabbit hole. Never really explored it, and probably couldn't name a single song by them if, if you had a gun in my head. So this is, this is good. And just a note on the... Um, on which album to pick <clears throat> through my research, which, which we'll get into some more details later uh, of what we found online. The, um, the consensus is this, that this, although it's their third album, this was the album that really um, kind of put them on the map and some yeah. consider their best album. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, so, I would definitely agree with that. Um, uh, I'm not, like I've, I owned uh, five Black Label Society albums, five out of 10. Ten. There's ten. There's ten. Yeah. And I haven't listened to much before this album, and past a certain point, I haven't listened to much either. Um, 
I did the same, found the same things that you did, that this album was the one that was kind of like, all of a sudden, Black Label Society were a thing, and it was becoming yeah. more and more Zach Wilde's thing. But whilst we're on that, actually, probably let's kind of get a little bit of a background into Black Label Society, and obviously we can't discuss them without really discussing Zach Wilde, who is really the... right. The, this is his uh, brainchild. He's the chief driving force behind it, and behind him is more of a sort of revolving door of uh, of uh, musicians that kind of come in and play the the surrounding parts. But um, if you're not too familiar with Zach Wild, he uh, sort of rose to prominence as Ozzy Osbourne's guitarist. Joined in 1987. Um, I mentioned that guitar. He, it's it's funny. I don't know if you've seen any pictures of, oh, yeah. of Zach when he started yeah. with Ozzy. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And he had the um, the classic glam rock. A little more glam. A little yeah. more glam, yeah. He was quite skinny. Yeah. Looked quite clean. And you sort of look at pretty. him. Pretty. Borderline pretty. Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> and you look at the him. The golden locks. Exactly. <laughs> you look at him now and the transformation is quite staggering. Yeah, He's he went got, from, from Fabio to Viking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He is, um, without a doubt, sort of living up to that biker metal yeah. sort of um, look. But So he's got an iconic look. He had the iconic guitar. I read something interesting that actually in 2000, he lost the guitar. It fell off the back of a truck as they were... Oh, I read this through. as well. And it was given back to him three years later when a fan bought it in a pawn shop. Wow. Taking it home, realizing it had ZW on the humbucker pickup. And just gave it back to him. That's wild. Well, yeah. it's it's iconic. And I mean, going back to not really knowing much of the music, I think his um, reputation and his the visuals have always preceded him for me. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen, we've all seen the <clears throat> the jackets at Duff's. I've seen the, the iconic, you know, skull and the patch. Um, yeah. The, 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 the rockers on the back, whatever they're called. The, um, um, the history we know he was the guitarist for Ozzy. Uh, we know he's was super tight with Dimebag Daryl, yep. etc. So there's just a lot of history that that's that precedes him. So you know about them, but I just never, never, never took the time, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. It's he's definitely one of these people that is almost more famous than his band. He's like a iconic figure within sure. metal and you knew of him you knew of his exploits you weren't too familiar with the music but everybody kind of knows who Zach Wilde is I even I'm not on the Instagram myself anymore but before I got off the social I actually followed him on Instagram mm-hmm. so before even listening to any of his music his Instagram feeds fucking ridiculous yeah <laughs> I, I mean obviously you mentioned we've we've just set up the metal recall Instagram and Knowing that we were going to do this album, he was obviously one of the, the guys, one of the bands that we wanted to follow. And you're right, his um, his Instagram feeds seem to be drinking coffee yep. and making making silly voices. Yeah, which... and then hanging out with his kid, sending love letters to uh, to his wife, yeah. video video letters, and uh, and goofy faces. Yeah, <laughs> he seems like a good time dude. Yeah. Did you know, I, I read this and I was, uh, I'd never heard this before. He actually auditioned for Guns N' Roses in 1995. Wow. And that didn't work out, obviously? Obviously not. I don't know why. Wow, okay. But, um, you know, post, post that sort of, he, he took an absence from Ozzy uh, between 1995 and 2001. This would be to replace Slash, obviously. Yeah. And... Um, he uh, started to dabble in the solo stuff, in other bands, and that ultimately um, sort of came to Black Label Society in and around 1998. Got so it. Black Label Society formed, as I mentioned, 1998 in uh, LA, California. They've released 10 studio albums, two live albums, two compilation albums, one EP, and three video albums. So been very productive. Genres, new ones for us, um, groove metal. Absolutely. And biker metal, which sounds super niche. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any other bands that be in that sort of, that field. Yeah, again, categories. 
but I don't. It, yeah, I mean, you can kind of you you can see it. Yeah, you can kind of hear it on a few tracks. Yeah. Um, Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy, indeed. <clears throat> so, um, as I mentioned, he's obviously Zach Wild is the driving force behind the band, with um, a number of different musicians coming in and out here and there. Um, two musicians of note. One of them plays a few tracks on this album. Uh, Robert Trujillo, now of Metallica fame, right? And Mike Inez of Alice in Chains fame. Both played bass for Black Label Society, but on the first four studio albums, Zach Wilde played almost every instrument except for the drums. Wow. And, you know, jumping ahead a little bit to our thoughts on the album, but I think if you are the chief, you know, the guitarist, guitar virtuoso and the lead singer, and you're in charge of everything else, I think what it's going to lead you to is a is a style and a sound that elevates what you do best, but mm-hmm. kind of pushes other things to the side. So right. it's all about Zach. He's kind of... It's um, distinct. Yeah, and he's putting all of that forward. Right. So that's Black Label Society out the way. And now, before we get into the album, let's do what we normally do, and let's set the, set the stage a bit. Let's talk about what, what was going on in heavy metal in 2002. Sure. So 2002, um, <clears throat> year in metal, we've got newly formed bands, Devil Driver, everyone's familiar with them, and then um, a small band called Velvet Revolver, mm-hmm. that um, another one I never really embraced, but it was, it's, good, um, it's good stuff. That's with uh, our guy Slash that we just mentioned, teaming up with uh, the front man of Stone, Stone Temple Pilots, Scott Weiland, rest in peace. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Yeah, that's interesting. Scott Weiland. Yeah. Because later on, what hap- um, we'll get to uh, what else happened that year. Um, involved another another addict, Lane Staley. We'll get to that in a minute. Re- reformed bands, down. Not that I... N- well, that's, they kind of, obviously they released, I think they released down in 1995. Which I- was more or less a side project, if anything. Yeah. I wouldn't say they're a reformed band. They kind of they yeah. just got back together, and that, as I mentioned before, they released Down Two this year, which yeah. um, was a good album too. And then I'll just jump to disbandments. Um, I mentioned Alice in Chains. This was unfortunately the year that Alice in Chains singer Lane Staley was found dead from a heroin overdose. Yeah, that was massive. Looks like frontman Dave Mustaine disbands Megadeth. After severely injuring his arm, yeah. leaving him unable to play, Drowning Pool singer Dave Williams dies. He Were you f- ever into Drowning Pool? Nah. I, again, I wish... I probably know one of their songs, two of their songs. Bodies. You must okay, Bodies. Bodies. I mean, bodies Hit the Floor. Yeah, yeah. that's the one. Catchy. Actually, it's a catchy one. They actually, that their first album was actually a really, really quite good album. Um, and I always thought that the uh, lead singer had a really good voice. Um, he only lasted one album and then he was found dead, which is a real, yeah. real shame. He could definitely belt out the tunes. Yeah. He definitely had a voice, the more the more I think about it. Yeah, so kind of a sad year for, for deaths and, and disbandments. Yeah. <clears throat> what about um, albums, what we got there that was released this year? Yeah, there's definitely some, some big ones. You've got highlighted the second Down album. Yep. Which I can't remember if that was a sophomore slump or not. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you measure up to the first yeah, one. I mean, the first one's such a classic. I mean, there were some good songs on Down 2 as well, but it doesn't really, in my opinion, come as close. In Flames, Reroute to Remain, that's when they were finding their groove with a new sound. Yeah. Kill Switch Engage, Alive or Just Breathing. I think that was uh, their second album, but probably the one that started to put them on the map. Propane, Shreds of Dignity. Mm-hmm. Classic. Uh... Soil work, more Swedish metal, right? Yeah. Natural Born Chaos. And then Stone Sour, Stone Sour. I think that was their first... Was that their first release? Again, I'm guilty. I know who they are. I'm guilty or not. Corey Taylor's side project. Of course, of course. I I can just remember, you know, Slipknot was such a big deal when Stone Sour came along. It was interesting. Yeah. And then my own notes, my own personal notes... uh, Going back to 2002 and what was happening in heavy, heavy metal music, uh, Dillinger Escape Plan teamed up with Mike Patton of Faith No More, mm. 
whom I'm a massive fanboy of. Same. He can do no wrong. And so Mike Patton meets Dillinger Escape Plan. Some really wild shit going on in that. I think it was just a four-song, maybe five-song EP. And then two glaring things. Well, the biggest glaring highlight that you didn't mention was System of a Down. Still, this album was released. Which, oh, that's right. Which yeah. is a mass. That's probably the biggest album of that year in the metal world, in my opinion. Well, why do you think that? Because um, it's System of a Down. <laughs> <laughs> I That's mean, obviously, my... they went they went on to yeah. There was more albums after that, but I mean, if, if you go through the list, come on, it's System of a Down, and and I think this was more Rick Rubin produced uh, masterpiece, mm-hmm. and it's just a great flipping album. And then as well, uh, on top of that, Dave Lombardo rejoined Slayer. Oh yes, I did read that. Sorry, I didn't highlight it, but that's um, yeah, quite an interesting year. Not, yeah, not as many albums I thought. That that I'd I'd listen to maybe <clears throat> maybe not as um, as great a year as some of the ones that we've reviewed so far. Except for System, I definitely played that album out. And except for nineteen nineteen yep. Eternal, there. Classic. So um, I'm going to give you a little bit of background into the album. It was nineteen uh, nineteen Eternal. Obviously, as I mentioned before, the third studio album by Black Label Society, released on March 5th, 2002, um, on Spitfire. And as we were talking before we we came on air, um, we both um, found out that this was almost written as a tribute to Zach Wilde's father, who passed away prior to the release of this album. Right. Which is kind of a a very sad but um, nice sort of footnote to the album itself. What I did find out was that, um, this is interesting actually, five songs from the album were were written for Ozzy Osbourne's um, right. 2001 release, I think, Down to Earth. And Ozzy rejected the songs because they sounded too black label. That's great. So you know you were saying this is kind of the album that started to put Black Label Society on the map. It's probably also a turning point in Zach Wilde's career where he started to find... His own sound, yeah. His own sound, which I remember reading or being aware of at the time that Ozzy was ultimately wanted to distance himself from Zach Wilde because everything was starting to sound like Black Label Society. Oh, yeah. And that's true. If you listen to any Ozzy, and I'm not sure how much you've listened to between the period of sort of 2000 to 2007, uh-huh. which is when Zach Wilde left, the riffs are very similar to a Black Label Society style. Yeah. And I guess my, my, my comments on that are if if Black Sabbath so-called invented heavy metal and then Zach Wilde's a part of Ozzy Osbourne of Black Sabbath, it's only logical that some of that history and sound is going to carry over. It's yeah. going to, through osmosis, whatever, it's just going to be an organic uh, evolution. And so if he's finally breaking away and sounding more like Zach Wilde versus, you know, Ozzy, Black Sabbath-esque, then that's a good thing. Yeah. He actually fronts a Black Black Sabbath, <clears throat> excuse me, Black Sabbath cover band called Zach Sabbath. Jesus Christ. Of course, <laughs> of course he does. I'll have so, to check that out. So anyway, um, the five songs that were rejected that ended up on this album were Bleed For Me, which is the album opener. Life, Birth, Blood, Doom, Demise of Sanity, an alternate piano version of Bridge to Cross, and a demo called I'll Find the Way. The last two didn't didn't feature on the album, but obviously Bridge to Cross, which is like the fifth track, it's a ballad one, it, it did feature, it just wasn't the piano version of that. Um, other things that I found out which were quite interesting, Zach Wilde had mentioned um, in interviews before the release that Dimebag was actually supposed to produce this album. Oh, wow. And that Rob Zombie was actually supposed to do the video for Bleed For Me, but it's assumed that um, issues just due to scheduling, oh, it, just, it just didn't line up, which is um, which is a real shame. And it would have been interesting to see how a Dimebag-produced album. Yeah. Maybe it wouldn't have differed too much because Zach Wilde is listed as a producer for this album. And I think, as I mentioned before, that kind of, I think, is 
partly why the sound is so focused on the guitars. It's unlikely that Dimebag would have changed that too dramatically. Being I don't there. know, man. It's Dimebag Daryl. You can't, you can't help but wonder what the possibilities could have been. Yeah, that is, you know, that's a really interesting um, point. Um, the original title for the album was Deathcore War Machine Eternal. <laughs> but he decided to change it, um, he being Zach Wild, because of the events of September 11th, 2001. Okay. So um, he pulled back on the violent title. Yeah, he did. Um, I mentioned before that uh, it's obviously Zach's show, but he has other musicians that partake on some of the albums. And that includes on this album for two tracks, Demise of Sanity and Life, Birth, Blood, Doom, Robert Trujillo of Metallica. But pretty much everything other than the drums is handled exclusively by Zach Wilde. Right. Um, album background out of the way. Would you like to know a little bit of what people were saying about the album at the time. Sure. Um, for me, I think I, uh, I was a little bit... When I went... I obviously have a lot of love for this album. It's definitely went, mixed online. Yeah. I was I was quite surprised that people were so <laughs> down on it. But um, anyway, I mean, that's life. Everybody gets to choose. The uh, the first review I wanted to read out to you and see what you, um, what you thought about was from All Music allmusic.com and what they do quite interesting and quite funny um, they have like a list of tags down the left hand side mm -hmm. they call them album moods and the three that they had for this album were aggressive rowdy and visceral okay which is, is quite descriptive and I think is quite good for uh -huh. this album kind of makes sense but the um, the the music review um, by Brian O'Neill it's not exactly the most positive, um, so I'd like to get your take on it. I got the exact same review right here in front of me. Oh, nice. So one quote that I picked out that I quite liked was, every riff is a meaty, grindy morsel that sticks to your ribs. <laughs> Which, you know, in my opinion, this is, a, this is definitely a riff album. Oh, it's so chunky. And, you know, that's probably the standout part of the album is, is, the, is the riffing. But... It goes on to say, with the majority of the disc residing in mid-tempo land, the sound is akin to running in a dream. You're not getting anywhere very quickly, and eventually you wonder where you were trying to go in the first place. Descriptive, yeah. Um, finally, he sort of says, a few gems reside, such as the lively Genocide Junkies and Life, Birth, Blood, Doom, a spooky tune with uh, rhythmically funky bass courtesy of Robert Trujillo. That'll get your head nodding and a solo that is to die for, but much of 1919 Eternal sounds like the stuff that didn't make the last couple of Corrosion of Conformity records. And the stuff that was on the COC discs wasn't that great either. Yeah, that's just not nice. <laughs> I mean, it's not the most positive. Um, in the Running in the Dream comment, that can be taken in two different ways, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, if it is a, if, if it is a metal album... I mean, that, that doesn't sound like a dream. It sounds like a nightmare. It sounds dark. And yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of fitting. I mean, I could interpret that as... I partly can interpret that as some of it's repetitive. Yes. Some of the riffs are repetitive. When you go down the... Uh, when you re read the lyrics, a lot of repeating of the lyrics. Yeah. Uh, but that's not, so, not necessarily a bad thing. It's, it's, it's a bit... It can get a bit droney, but... Yeah. So, well, you know, my um, having read um, reviews, good and bad, my uh, takeaway from it is if you expect too much from this band, then you're ultimately going to be disappointed. Nailed but it. it. Well if, said. You, if you know what Black Label Society represents, yeah, then you're probably going to like this album. But there is a there is a lot of feedback on some of the reviews about the repetition. Mm hmm the tempo kind of remaining the same and the formula. And that's obviously, you know, you know, a lot of bands do have formulas. You're either with it or you're not, but they, you know, this, this album does stay in a similar tempo for the majority of it. And to some people like Brian O'Neill, he's kind of wondering what, you know, what to take from it. Yeah. It's not going to, it, I don't think it's going to win any points for uh, another word we like to use <clears throat> another podcast regarding just art, music, and everything is dynamic range. Mm -hmm. The dynamic range on this is pretty 
pretty it stays pretty much in the cut the whole album it's not really yeah. he's not really spreading out and uh showcasing a range of of particular sounds it's it's chunky riffs lots of chunky riffs the guy can you know wield the axe oh, and time. solo all day and night but you're not going to get this isn't anything complicated like Dillinger Escape Plan far from it more no. classic straightforward I mean, I mean, it's complicated in the sense that he is such an amazing guitarist that it takes serious skill to do, at least the solo work is incredible on yeah. this album. In terms of the dynamic range, you know, it's interesting that you picked up on that because whilst I'll agree with you that it's not, it's not a broad spectrum, there are the occasional moments on the album, the ballads in particular, the, um, I think the acoustic guitar solo, Speedball, uh-huh. and the weird closer, America the Beautiful, which do represent a bit of change in the pace. And I think, you know, the last two albums we've reviewed, Trap Them and the Propane album, this has potentially more ups and downs in terms of different styles than those two do. But, you know, at the same time, I wouldn't say that this is like... You're absolutely right in that the majority of this album is about chunky chugging riffs and yeah. that's kind of that's what he does best yeah and that was my that was actually my first guttural visceral gut reaction to to this album again not having ever heard any black label society albums uh, my initial reaction was how stripped down and I dare say basic I felt like the only words I could use was this was metal for the everyman yeah. This, was, this was like this. This is gonna be in a biker bar for 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 Joe the biker, whoever the you know, just straightforward. You know, obviously, it has to start. It had to start somewhere, and it was. It started with Black Sabbath, and just a direct connection there, and that's what you're getting: straightforward, chunky, heavy riffs, bluesy sounds, and just great guitar work. Were you surprised? Did you think when you, before you started to listen to the album? Did you think? Did you have something in mind of how it would be? Yes. Uh, to your point, I was guilty of uh, higher expectations based oh, on... Right. Based on his persona. Based on everything heard. we described in the beginning here. It's mm-hmm. Zach Wilde, connections to Ozzy, the the mystique around the visuals, uh, his guitar, and just the sheer volume of, 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 of albums. What am, I, what am I getting? And then when I, hear, when I heard it, it was just straightforward, yeah. and if anything, I had to go back and listen to it with with different ears. And if anything, I fell in love with it because the album just really grew on me. Yeah, and you got to have a respect for those for the stripped down, just straightforward riffing. Yeah, I, you know it, it has its place, doesn't it? And I, I think you're absolutely right. It is straightforward. It's um, I think if you know the band, you know what to expect. The content of the songs is not massively thought-provoking. The the riffs are super catchy. Like the the whole thing about Black Label Society for me is it's it's about good guitar playing. It's about catchy riffs, and um, it's not. You know, it's interesting that you sort of had higher expectations just based on reputation alone. Reputation alone. Um, but. The, the album itself is very straightforward. Yeah. But I think it, you said it quite well. It's, it's metal for yeah. the, 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 the you, you everyday, you the know everyday what you're, guy. You know what you're getting, and he delivers it. Mm-hmm. So on the... Um, and it's consistent. It's consistently that way throughout the whole album. While, while we're kind of on that, because that's a really... You know, that's your, your feedback, your perspective on the album is very close to what the majority of the reviews say and everyone has a, a similar perspective and some people like it and some people don't mm-hmm. this review from um, metalarchives.com you got a glowing one? yeah this one 86% but it's interesting because it, it it picks up on a lot of themes you just said so it's it, the interview starts with uh, sorry the review starts with black label society tend to get a lot of shit 
Hell, I throw a lot of it when I think about the abysmal crap that is spewed from the mind of Zach Wilde. But 1919 <laughs> Eternal is different. So, you know, there's something something interesting in that because when you kind of delve into the back catalogue of uh, Black Label Society, and f- for me, they're like, I don't know if you'll, you probably understand what I mean here, but Black Label Society are, are like a playlist band for me. Okay. Like, I'll pick songs yeah. out of each album, I'll put them together, and that's how I enjoy Black Label Society. Because Is that why he's taking the piss out of them? I think... There's, there's just some stuff that's just total shite? I think so. You know, and I can't, I, I haven't heard it all, but I will say that it, it does seem that he's had a not-so-consistent Zach Wilde, that is, not-so-consistent track record with what he's put out. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the reviewer goes on to, to say... All the songs follow standard BLS style, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, long solo section, chorus, and as yeah. usual, the band behind Zach don't offer any real quality, merely sounding <laughs> merely sound, sounding hired to follow the beat, but the riffs are abnormally good and the grooves are unrivaled in their addictiveness. Nailed it. I, I think so. That's dead on. Because you, you do know what to expect from Black Level Society, or at least you do now, having listened to this album, you know that that's kind of what they do. Now I want your playlist. Hmm? Now I want your playlist of your top oh, tracks. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it, mate. It's, it's, it's all good. Um, but, you know, something he mentions there is something that I was picking up on before. The Everything around Zach Wilde on this album, the drums, the bass, whatever. He says, the drumming is, apart from the drum-driven battering ram, very follow the beat. Not that that's bad, it's just not noteworthy. And I've I picked up on that listening to this with more of a critical ear now. Yeah. The drums are straightforward. Underwhelming. Yeah. Uh, very underwhelming. And I, I think that it's it's down to the production as well, because actually this review goes on to say the production is far from pristine, but it really suits the riffs. You know what I was saying before, if the producer is Zach Wilde, he's playing all the instruments, he's a guitar virtuoso, One man show. he's going to favour the things that he does best and downplay the others. And I think that has a slightly detrimental effect to the, to the impact of the drums in transitional moments. Absolutely. Cymbals seem to be kind of buried a little bit in the mix. Uh-huh. So when you want some punch, when it goes from chorus to main riff or, not dynamic. or it's not dynamic yeah, enough. it doesn't flat. have the impact and it is very straightforward but this review does fi- finish with this is the only BLS album anyone really needs so okay, it's respect. kind of yeah yeah to me I take that review as it's um, it is Black Label Society if you're a fan you're gonna like it if you're expecting something different yeah you know you're not gonna you're not going to get into it. And one final one that I wanted to just bring up is from Metal Storm, which is going along a very similar thread here. It go, it says, This album is a culmination of all the good things BLS has to offer, riffs, aggression, and the take-no-shit stands. So it's really kind of, you know, we're, we're just seeing on repeat here, Black Label Society doing Black Label Society. Yeah. And some people like it, and some people don't. Um, interestingly here, we kind of talked about it before. Closing the album is Zach's interpretation of America the Beautiful on acoustic guitar. It's a strange ending, but cool nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, we, we talked about that a little bit before. It is kind of strange. I mean, to, it just it just goes back song. to my comment. It's just for the everyman, and it hits it on the head. The patriotic, yeah, patriotic it's, it's, end yeah. to the album. You could just picture some 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 teenager or some some working class guy in <clears throat> Kansas, you know, who's got his bike on Sundays with his biker crew, and yeah, America. Yeah, <laughs> let's end it with America. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's a beautiful piece of music, but still, yeah, of course, no, absolutely. Um, finally, final point on this album uh, review by Metal Storm. Zach pretty much plays everything on the album bar drums, and it shows he knows exactly what he wants from his albums. Fans of Zach, Aussie or Black Label Society won't be let down with this album. Nailed it. Yeah, Dead exactly. On. Right, so those are the reviews out of the way. Mm-hmm. Now before we 
before we delve a little bit deeper, highlights, overall thoughts. Let's do um, let's do our thing with the album art. Sure. So interesting to note you probably picked up on this as well as you were doing your research, but um, the album artwork is based on a Nazi propaganda poster used for recruitment, and um, the concept was Zach's. It was executed by um, Peter Sakaris. Uh, I think I've said that right, um, of Drunken Monkey Studios. Um, did a little research on him. It seems he's done some artwork for Morbid Angel, amongst other bands. Okay. Um, but I've also got on my phone here, just for you to see, the, um, oh wow, the, the, the poster that it was based on. And it's a very direct... Yeah, that's... <laughs> there's, there's inspiration, then there's pretty much... Plagiarism. Done. Plagiarism, pastiche... Whatever word you want to choose. I mean, it's, what's it's gonna a, what's gonna happen? Is he gonna get sued by the uh, the Nazi party? Oh wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's unlikely. Um, I mean, if you're gonna steal, steal from the best. That's what they say, and that propaganda is pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, it's. I I mean, I quite like it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't what, hate what's, it. What's what's your what's your feeling towards it? Uh, I like it. I think it's a little bit half-assed. Mm-hmm. In other words. It's easy to steal or to borrow, uh, you know, but you got to add something to make it your own. And this, yeah. after you show me the original, it's a blatant ripoff of the yeah. original poster. And he just slapped his uh, black label uh, skull, which is, is on the back of all the, the vests. And I think it's on other albums as well. Yeah. It's his iconic uh, piece. But, uh, I mean, who doesn't like... Propaganda, yeah, war no. propaganda is, is is I mean it's about as metal as it gets, and it's it's fitting. And if it is a dedication to a, a war veteran, might as well. I mean I don't know if I guess it's a bit confusing if 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 you've got Nazi propaganda on your album art, yeah. but your father was an American soldier. So which is it? Which I mean, we're speculating about that. Yeah, we, I don't it, know. It was, it was a tribute to his dad. We don't know whether he served. Yeah, um, but. I, I, I see what you're saying. Because we it, got our own propaganda in this country yeah. from that era that's just as intense and cool and fucked up, but, you know. I mean, you're right. I mean, as um, you know, as two people that uh, work in the sort of creative field, yeah, there's a lot to like about propaganda, whether it's like the propaganda yeah. art, um, sort of uh, Nazi Germany propaganda art or... Um, Russian constructivism. Yep. It all has a, a very graphic appeal. Um, but it fits. It fits with the album. If it fits with the album. It's but, stripped down and but basic. Yeah, to, to your, I mean, I think it looks, I, I like the look of it. I think it looks really cool. It's definitely evocative of that um, era of graphic design. But to your point. It took 30 minutes to make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Maybe less. You don't know what went into the making of this, but when you see the original, it's it's hard for you to have as high an appreciation for it when it is yeah. just pretty much... You took out the larger image of the soldier, you replaced it with the Black Label Society skull. I would have personally liked to have seen something that felt a little bit more original, still yeah. sort of pulling from those kind of references. Yeah. Um, for that reason, I'm, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. I think yeah. it, I think it looks good. It's a nice concept, but yeah. you know it is just a bit of a pastiche. It gets a six out of ten, but it's appropriate for the album, so that's why it gets that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, dude. Well, let's get into our thoughts. Do you want to give us some top line thoughts? You've kind of already alluded to what your expectations were and what you thought about the album when you got into it. Yeah, I'll I'll just echo what some some other folks have said online that uh, it's 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 a straightforward metal album. Uh, I think it definitely. I will admit, I think the album starts strong, mm-hmm. ends decently. Um, you can listen to this album start to finish. Uh, it's 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 enjoyable from start to finish. Can't say I'm a massive fan of the ballads, but I also know that's a, a place for. For, for Zach to showcase his his skills on the, the guitar as a virtuoso. Um, 
Yeah, again, there's a, a mid-tempo to all the songs. It seems to kind of mesh together. Yeah. So there's a lot of repetition, um, both lyrically, uh, riff-wise, but it's it's just something good to have on in the background, whether you're working, shooting pool, drinking, smoking, hanging out. Um, yeah, I think it's just a straightforward uh, delivery. It's pretty good Duff's music. You yeah, know, it's it's like it's like metal bar yeah. music, isn't it? It's I think that's what you were alluding to when you were like the every sort of metal fan. It's yeah. like or when they call it biker metal. Yeah, like yeah, in a biker bar. Yeah, um, I you know I think I think I before we were getting down to it today, I actually thought to myself what I thought your opinion of the album would be. And I kind of assumed that it would be fairly similar to how you felt about Propane. Uh-huh. Because, you know, my feelings towards this album are very similar to my feelings towards the Propane album. I chose it because it was something um, that inspired me when I was writing music, when I was getting into, uh, into playing the guitar. And my bias towards very riff-based metal is um, is why I like this album. I don't think that it's the kind of album, you know, it doesn't have enough of everything. Right. So I, I, thought, I thought that you would probably be of the opinion that there's a lot to like, but for you personally, you needed more... No, range. not necessarily. No, no, if anything, it's... It was... I'll go back, to, I'll double down on what I said. It's... Uh, the first time I listened to it, I didn't know what to, what to expect, but I did have a certain level of expectations. When that expectation wasn't met, I had to kind of check myself, self-reflect, go back and revisit it, mm. and respect it for the uh, for the work of art that it is. And I think it's I think it's a great piece. And if anything, I can see how anybody listening to this would immediately want to try picking up a guitar yeah. and mimicking those songs. Even oh, yeah. myself, I said, some of these are so stripped down and s- simple sounding. I, I want to pick up a guitar and, and like, I could see how this album could be inspiring to somebody learning to play the guitar or wanting oh, yeah. to learn to play the guitar and start to craft their own uh, chunky riffs like that. You got to have that chunky riff. That's the, the, the basis of metal. It's got to be heavy and chunky. Yeah. And I think um, that's so true about, inspiring guitarists because I think playing these songs as a guitarist it, it it's very very fun like it, yeah. playing those songs you know those are the you know if, if you're into riffs if you're into that kind of thing then this is exactly the kind of album for you um, I, I think that you know there's obviously there's songs that are better than others there's some that I think could maybe be cold from the album um because i mean 14 tracks is quite a lot for an album i think and i think there's at least three tracks in there that maybe could be taken from the album to cull it down to a shorter succinct album right that might prevent that kind of mid-tempo formula and get to the good parts quicker yeah um but i think you know that said for me personally, every song has at least one riff or one guitar lick that I that I like, and yeah. that's that's impressive. Um, we've obviously talked about the fact that Zach Wilde is a ridiculous guitarist, and I think it's a it's a bit of a vanity vanity project at a certain point when he puts that speedball track in. Yeah, and it's like I mean that's incredible. That's on an acoustic guitar. Yeah. from from what I can gather. And the, I mean, I, I saw a video recently of him soloing on an acoustic guitar. And, you know, like acoustic guitar strings, thicker than average guitar strings. Uh-huh. It's not as easy to move around the fretboard as fast. But the speed of his guitar playing is incredible. Um, and I know you said you didn't really like the ballads, but I quite like them. I think that they showcase that he can do it quite well. Um and I think they just got 
a very you know they've got some really interesting guitar parts and his his voice um kind of works quite nicely in like he, he can do the sort of softer side of things as well sure. i think now I, I i i mentioned this before i think i do agree with um i agree with the reviews about the supporting instrumentation we talked about the drums you know very straightforward lacking impact um, you think about you know you, you mentioned the album starts really strongly with Bleed for me, and I you know I agree I think that's a really good track it's got a good um, chorus, but I think about that start part the the riff that's coming in and just as you expect the song to kick off, you're thinking it's going to be a big, like, it's going to be a big explosion of sound and it kind of just I thought it sounded like uh, the it. it it was an immediate my immediate reaction was like oh this sounds like Ozzy Osbourne Black Sabbath Iron Man Iron Man it, Iron Man isn't, is a is, slower one right isn't, it, isn't there an intro where he's like I am Iron Man <laughs> yeah I mean the, the Bleed for Me has do you some, know what I'm talking about yeah I know what you're talking about it's like kind of distorted electronic yeah, monster gotcha, sounds gotcha. The, the beginning of, of Bleed for Me sounds like that well, you know, Bleed Go for back me, and listen. Bleed for Me was one of those tracks that was supposed to be on the Ozzy Osbourne album. So yeah. Probably why. Do you know, funny, funny little um, story. You know, I remember listening to this album, and as the as the song kicks off, and the the guitars are in there, but the uh, the drums and the bass aren't in, and it's just a guitar intro. There's a weird sort of like screaming sound yeah. in the background. Yeah. Now, it, it kind of took me a long time to realize, but then I saw a video of him playing this live. Okay. And he's he does the screaming part, <laughs> and it is the strangest thing. You kind of think about, like, why why was it even necessary? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and I think just when it kind of breaks into the main riff where everybody's... It feels like with a better production, that would sound more impactful. Um but uh, it's a double-edged sword. It's 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 really my feedback for the whole album. If it's if it's all Zach, that's great. That's that's a blessing. The curse is if he's not hiring the best session musicians to support the you don't overall know what song. It could have been. Yeah. It it just kind of that's what flattens it out. You get, you get all Zach Wild. You get all his songwriting for all the parts, even the playing apparently on most of it. But if you're not collaborating with with other talent and what they can bring to the table, you can't help but wonder if this album could have been twice as good. Oh, that I mean, yeah, that's because it's already a great album. But it, it could have been like what kind of drum fills could have been brought to the table? Oh. What kind of you know if Dimebag was going to produce it? Maybe he'd get his brother on there. You know, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's that's part of my um, sort of last line sort of feedback to the album is um imagine what it could have been like with better production with if Dimebag produced it if he had um like you said collaborated with some really interesting musicians that could just add more more of a dynamic range to your point to but the that's, sound that's 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 where i go back to what i would have what i've said i have to i had to start over with this album and reset myself, and the pill you have to swallow is that's just not what this guy does. He's not. He's 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 writing songs. He's writing riffs, putting out ten albums. Right, that's impressive in of itself. Yeah. And he's not looking back. He's not overthinking it. No. And it's not. This isn't for. Uh, this isn't an album to like fuck with your eardrums or, or you know tickle your senses on you know highs and lows it's like here's what you're getting meat and potatoes well yeah i mean it's funny that you mentioned that because um take it or leave it the lyric take no shit take no shit and while you're while you're on that there's one there's one track off this of this album um that really kind of sums up i think what black label society is all about and that's the track berserkers the penultimate song yep that's my fave that's kind of what you expect from black label society it's hell raising that's the anthem having a good time yeah 
And if you had any, you know, if you had any um, doubt of what kind of album, what kind of band you were in for, then the lyrics just tell you exactly what to expect. The cage is broke, the tank is full, it's where the violence rules. Drinking booze and raising rifles, hell straight through and through. <laughs> Love it. Drinking, puking, pissing and fighting, starting all over again. Yeah. But, you know, that's kind of, you know, you put that on in a metal bar, that's like, that's that's it's, the good shit. I'm right? sure it's a popular one in uh, in Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> that song is essentially just about Trillions. Newcastle. Yeah? Yeah, we ducked in there. Did you? Is it still going? Oh, yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, all right, dude. I, you mentioned that to me before, so why don't we um, why don't we go through our highlights? Let's let's sort of run down our three favorite tracks from the album. Sure. Starting with you. Yeah. I'm gonna go with "Life, Birth, Blood, Doom," just because it's it's got the <clears throat> it's got the bell, mm. the the church bell clanging in the background, right? The uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you're entering the graveyard, and uh, I think one of the reviews said that it would make Metallica cringe. Yeah, yeah. I actually <laughs> I don't know that what that way. means. I mean, for whom the bells toll, whatever. I, I, yeah. They're all brothers in metal, so they're all influencing each other. But I, I like, assume. Dong. I assumed that it was. You know, this came out in 2002. I can't remember when Saint Anger came out, but you know, this things were still around the time when Metallica were had veered away from the, yeah. the metal metal. Yeah. You know? So maybe it was kind of like, because I, I think, isn't that, that's that's one of the tracks that Rob Trujillo's on. Yeah. So he obviously brings a little groove to that. Yeah, that's that's my first one because it's just, it just sounds like the Grim Reaper's coming for you. His vocal styles on that are just, just flat, droney, evil sounding, underkeeper, uh, it's just dark. And I, I love the um, the repetitive chorus. Is just that's where it works. You know, it's repetitive, but it works. You, you and there's also um, that lead guitar line over the main riff that comes in, which I just think has like a really lovely melody, and that's kind of what I was talking about. Like every song has at least that one that one lick that you like. Yeah, that's good. And and the 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 they're, they're, they're great lyrics for for a metal album. They're repetitive but catchy. So before you know it, you're singing along. You want to sing. You want to chant along with these because they're anthems, and they're just appropriate for uh, the sound. They just go together well. Uh, the other one, second one, <clears throat> Lords of Destruction. Oh, nice. Um, I think. Going back to the theme of the album, I mean, and the the dedication to the to the war veteran, the the, the propaganda war propaganda cover art. If you read between the lines, a lot of this, the way I read it, uh, having a father as a war veteran is a lot of this. Just kind of sounds like a, um, what's the word? It sounds like a catharsis, right. uh, uh, a way to um, to describe or deal with having gone through war. Mm-hmm. And you know, lots of death and destruction. You know, it's themes of like it's always been around. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just part of life. The themes of this album are fairly standard in terms of that content metal. Yeah. Um, you know, life, birth, blood, doom. Mm-hmm. It's it's about mortality. We see that a lot in the albums that we've been reviewing. But it works, to your yeah. point. Like, in the confines of this album that we're listening to, it really works. And then my favorite, obviously, uh, you already mentioned Berserkers. That's the, na- the name. I mean, come on. That's what the Vikings call themselves. If you're going to go into battle, you you got to be out of your mind. And I think this is like a... this. I mean, he looks like a Viking. This is a Viking anthem. This is like, you know, they all want to die in, ba- in battle and go to Valhalla. Like, this is it. You, you're, you're drinking, you're fighting, and you do that till death. <laughs> yeah, I'm, whether it's, you know, for me, um, whether it's, there's like 
you mentioned Vikings uh-huh. going into battle. We mentioned like armies going into battle. We've mentioned biker gangs. Sons, yeah. Sons of Anarchy shit. Yeah. Like there's there's throughout the um throughout the album there's like ongoing themes of kind of collective yeah camaraderie and um just raising hell and i'm gl- i'm glad that berserkers was one of your favorites because it's not one of my three highlights actually but it's one that came very close because there's a there's a dynamic on the song and we talked about this before the the bass riff that kicks off the of the song right at the end of the i mean the riffs through it are just crushing but the the outro where he plays what the bass is playing on the guitar and it just yeah and it fades out it's so good um my three yeah that's um let me give you mine so my first highlight is graveyard disciples oh wow that's number one it's i mean this isn't any particular order okay okay um but it, two, two, of the, two of the tracks that are my favourites are the two tracks that initially drew me to the album back in the day. And Graveyard Disciples is one song that I think actually um, it benefits from his focus on the riff in the sense that the drums mirror exactly the main riff. Mm. And what, what it results in is this like chugging march of a kind of riff that just the minute it kicks off, you can't help but be kind of a little bit pumped up. And you, you might laugh at this, but I've mentioned this about music before. There's, there's tracks on this album. I grew up watching wrestling. I don't know whether you ever did. but Oh, shit. Yeah, of course. Um, WWF. A lot of riffs on this album sound to me like wrestler theme music. <laughs> and hell yeah, Graveyard Disciples yeah. is one of those tracks yeah. that imagine like that just kicking off. You come out, come to out the crowd, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. getting pumped up. So that that someone must have done that. So, yeah, some wrestler somewhere has has come out to Black Label. I'd hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, you could actually imagine Zach Wilde actually, you know, taking part, just just getting in there, but. Um, not, not that I'm listening to this um, song and I'm just imagining myself coming out to the crowd like <laughs> <laughs> but you know off some, the top ropes yeah some of that kind of kind of works but I, I, the main riff is is enough for me to put this as one of my highlights but I do think he's got like a melodic vocal line that runs over the main riff on the chorus on the verse which is really good um, this is another track that kind of I, I think it kind of talks about soldiers yeah going off to war i think the the lyrics are graveyard disciples march into the fields and it you know it's it pretty much kind of going off to die at war i suppose but yeah so that was my first highlight and the second highlight is the track that immediately follows it genocide junkies and this is probably my favorite of the album i love the intro like, like the sort of pinched harmonics that kind of a fading in uh fading in and then it just just gives way to this galloping riff with like a real guttural scream from from Zach. Um, there's, there's something that I think is kind of classic Black Label Society, main riffs kind of kicking off, and then there's almost like another guitar, third guitar, coming in over the top, but it sounds just like feedback. It sounds just like a drone, high-pitched drone of a sound. They do that in a lot of songs, and it kind of just gives way to this kind of overall atmosphere yep. of the track. This is like the, the track on the album that I really, besides Berserkers, that can really almost see being set to Sons of Anarchy. It's, yeah. it's about... As far as ha- haunting doom sound. It, it's, it's as far as I can, um, as, far, as far as I can make out, it does feel like a biker gang kind of raising hell. You know, the lyrics are loaded, storming out of control, fired up, hell riding, we roll, seize the roads, assault the land, Respect through fear, walking tall, always up for the ride, junkies of the genocide. Yeah. So, you know, I can just, it. It, it's total, total biker, biker gang. And I definitely spent too much time watching Sons of Anarchy where, um, you know, I'm listening to Graveyard Disciples, imagining myself coming out in the WWE. <laughs> and I'm listening to Genocide Junkies and imagining myself on the road with uh, a biker gang. But um, I think... 
it's all, it's it's quite good that it sort of conjures up these kind of thoughts. But um, I think the chorus is really really good. It almost has like a triumphant sort of feel to it. And um, yeah, I love that track. And actually found out you know I'll go into this in a bit, but on recent shows they've been opening with this track, which I think really? is kind of like a really appropriate opener. Um, and then my final highlight is actually um, Mass Murder Machine. Um, oh wow, we got three different songs. Yeah, each. Yeah, um, I you know I I, I liked I liked um, of yours. I I really liked Berserker Berserker's um, Life, Birth, Blood, Doom. I was less into Lords of Destruction, mm. but I think it's good that we have sort of three different takes. Mass Murder Machine wasn't one that I ever really um, was all that into back in the day, but. Um, what's really interesting I think about it is probably the most repetitive song on the album it's basically one riff he sings the verse over it he sings the chorus over it but it's a really catchy bluesy riff and it's the one riff the one track that when I'm not listening to the album it's the one that's still caught in my head just going over and over again I don't really get bored of it I think it kind of works in the repetition and um, it's got a really cool melody on the verse um I'm not really sure what it's about, to be perfectly honest. It's obviously called Mass Murder Machine, so it could still be about war. War. Um, it could also, uh, you know, it could also just be about more of a sort of general societal machine being caught up in that. But he says, now that I've seen what's come and passed, forget all that's pure, it never lasts inside the Mass Murder Machine, which is quite Blake. good. <laughs> quite good, quite bleak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Love it. So those are my highlights, mate. Excellent. Um, final thoughts and rating out of 10? What do you think? Final thoughts. Uh, this is your meat and potatoes metal. It's it's good stuff. Don't expect anything too grandiose. Um, nice, chunky, meaty metal. And it's just a, it's just a quintessential album you need to have in, in, your, your, in your archives, in your library. To go to, in that sense, and it never gets old in that sense as well. And so, I'm gonna go with uh, everyone else's reviews. Uh, we've been giving them out of ten, right? Yeah. Most folks I saw online are giving it three out of five, so I'm gonna have to go with a, a six, maybe seven. Cool. I'm gonna go six and a half out of ten. Right. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, I think. You know, I've I've already said my feelings towards this album. Um, you like you said, I love the term meat and potatoes metal. Oh, yeah. This is kind of it. It's a new genre. It's a guitarist album. It's all about the riffs. Um, if you're into that, it's great. Um, it's very similar, like I said, to my feelings towards a propane album. I know what to expect. Similar, very similar, and I, yeah. and I really like it for that reason. It's not a full 360 experience, you know, it's not got everything going for it. Um, and, you know, I have to share with you my, my Black Label Society playlist because I think what I get from this band is with a slight edit, you take out a few tracks, pull in a few tracks from a few different albums. Yeah, it makes sense. They're a really, really good band to listen to. So, for me... I've gone 7.5 out of 10 and um, I think that's a good good rating for the album. I actually think 8 out of 10 to 8.5 out of 10 potentially if it was slightly edited down with a better production. Yes, like you that's said, a good it's, point. It's one of those sliding doors moments where what would have happened if Dimebag had actually produced this? You know, where could it have gone? You know, there's, there's so much already there it feels like all it needed was a few tweaks. Production would have been huge, I think, if it just had a better sound. Yeah, and if you're saying you got a favorite playlist, it sounds like Zach in Black Black his project his Black Label pro albums. Again, they're not those kind of albums. He's not. Forgive me if he is killing himself crafting these albums, but look, it sounds it sounds like the guys the guy can just pull out riffs for days. Yeah. Writes an album, cuts it, done. Moving on to the next one, and he doesn't look back. Yeah. And you, again, you can't help but wonder: What if they did strip it down? What if they did fine tune it? What if they did polish it a little more, or introduce some other 
collaborative efforts on the other yeah. instruments. You know, I think you should um, listen to the follow-up album after this as well, um, The Blessed Hell Ride, because arguably it's got better. Yeah, I'm really torn between that one and this one. Obviously, right. I chose this one because of it was the, the one that turned me on to them. I'll dive in. And maybe we'll review that in the future at some point, but it's, it's definitely a, a good album. Yeah, we could do a follow-up. Right, before we go, um, you know, I've been liking doing this thing where we kind of see what impact the album had on live shows, etc. Oh, yeah. So, um, I went on Setlist FM, and this uh, I, I got up a recent set list from October 5th, to, uh, 2019, at the Wellmont Theatre in Montclair, New Jersey. Okay. And they opened with Genocide Junkies. Um, and it was the only uh, only song of this album, the feature, yeah. which um, there's a lot of songs on this set list that I'm not familiar with, so it might be worth sort of checking out to see why they made the cut more than some of the other tracks I mean, on if here. he's got 10 albums. I mean, that's true. You know, it's... Um, but uh, that's a really that's that's a really good song to start with, Genocide Junkies. So I think that's pretty interesting. And then I also looked at, you know, so far in 2019, we're in October now. Um, tracks that have been played the most from this album in 2019: Genocide Junkies tied seventh for 30 plays this year, and Bleed for Me. And Bridge to Cross, which is the first ballad on the album, both getting 18 plays. Okay. Um, but that's it. So, you know, not quite the impact that on the pl- on the set list that I thought. Three tracks. Yeah, uh, especially if people consider it their best or their first. Yeah. You never know yeah. why these things happen, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Um, so with that, I think we'll leave it there. All right. Dive in, people. Yeah. Thanks very much, mate. Catch you next time.